Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's worship celebration. Merry Christmas, everybody. How you doing? Hi. It's so good to see you. Um, if this is your first time here or your first time here, I'm Jackie Lewis. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm the senior minister at Middle Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. Um, so we put in the world that this one might be crowded, so you should come at three. And look at what happens. <laughs> so much space. Um, but everybody who's supposed to be here is here. I'm loving your hair, my friend. It's good to see you. Um, OK, let me tell you a couple of things that are happening in the life of Middle Church. Um, at 3 o'clock, we are having a gospel choir concert at Marble Collegiate Church, our sister church, 29th and 5th. It's called Christian Hope, oh, Christmas Hope, four times like these which might not be Christian, just might be hope, but uh, Christmas hope for a time like these. I hope that you will come and hang out with us at 3 o'clock. Um, we will be office closed next week, so the staff gets to just take a little break. Uh, we'll be closed from tomorrow through January 2nd. We'll open back up on the 3rd. If you have an emergency emergency, please call 911. Please call 911. If you have a kind of emergency, if you leave a note on the prayer line, one of us will get back to you as soon as we... I possibly can. I hope you have a beautiful, safe, and holy Christmas. Um, before we have our Advent candle lighting, though, I do have another announcement. You've heard, I think some of you've heard, that Reverend Ben is stepping back from full-time ministry. I know, big frown, but is sticking around, thanks be to God, for consulting ministry, Well, he'll be writing with us and helping us with socials because that's what he does best. So we're not going to roast him now, but we are going to thank him. Well, we might. We're going to thank him. So we've got a couple of Reverend Ben things that are going to come in the room now as I'm speaking, and Ben is going to come up here so I can touch him and pinch him and things like that. Hi. <laughs> I think it's important to know that I stole Ben from Union Theological Seminary. I was, very, I was very slick about it. I was like, can we have Ben do a little consulting for us? And then we stole him. We poached him. And it's been just about four years exactly of amazing Benness. Um, you started work when we didn't have an office, basically, right? You went in there maybe twice or something. Um, but to develop uh, with Ben, with Natalie, with Amanda, with Elise, um, with John, our musicians, with our amazing team, we were lean and mean, and were able to develop a digital church. We, make, we made a worship movie every Sunday. We did great comms in the world to help people feel connected. Um, I think you know that Ben is an amazing writer. Um, that's why they let him write a book. Um, I understand he wrote a children's book, too. Uh, uh, also a beautiful preacher and a great pastoral caregiver. Lots of people who have been through things at middle went through things at middle with Ben. So we love you, Benjamin, and we're glad we don't have to say goodbye, goodbye, but we get to say, won't see you as often. We have a few things for you, and then you get to say something back to us. These are flowers. Um, we, um, we, I didn't know if you noticed that they were flowers, but they are. 
So those are flowers for you, okay? From us to you. And then there's some weird things in this bag that I think you should get out yourself while I hold your flowers. Just to say there's weird things in the bag. They deserve explanation. <laughs> this is your... <laughs> This is your when it's too cold outside at Maine, but you still need s'mores. I mean, in Mass, you know where you live. Isn't that cool? What do you think? Okay. I think Aaron's gonna get that, because Ben, you strike me as, I'm gonna go outside anyway. And this Aww. is for the writerly you, Thank to you. wherever you are walking around in the world, Thank and you, you have a good thought, you'll write that there. Is there anything else in there? I think that's it? Okay, all right, okay. What do y'all think? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I thought so. And this is in case Aaron does make you go outside <laughs> to, to uh, cause you like nice soft things. I do like yeah. soft things. Okay, cool. All right, you wanna say something to sure. your people? To your public? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's fitting that you gave me a soft thing because that's in large ways the way I see ministry is an opportunity to create soft places with people. Um, and so I am so grateful that over the last four years you have co-created <laughs> a soft space with me. I think this, this world can be really hard in all of the literal and figurative ways. And so getting to create something soft that each of us can draw from as we go out and share the love of God in the world uh, means more than I can say. Um, you have shown me what church can be like. I'm so grateful to, to Jackie and for all the ways that you've mentored me through these four years and all the incredible folks, Reverend Natalie and Elise and Amanda and all the folks who I've worked with at Middle who have showed me a model for church that truly does live into the world in prophetic and abundant ways. Uh, it is a gift that I will carry with me. I'm very, I, I won't let you go because I'm, I'm still working here. Like, I, <laughs> I'm very excited to do some other things in the world and to do the kinds of public theology that I feel called to, but I, I needed middle still in my life. And so I'm really grateful that I will continue to walk beside you and uh, create beauty and life and art. Um, but I'm also just marking this change. And in doing so, I wanna say thank you. So thank you. Ben. Thank you. Still do pray to rise with me. We do that together. We have so much fun. Okay, so take your take your flowers and your s'more maker, and let us now continue to worship God as we sing our opening hymn. Except that's not what's going to happen right now. What I love is you know the runner show. Y'all be like, no. Elise and Oscar will light will light the advent candles for us. Good morning, everyone. There we go. Our Advent journey has led us to this moment. Our prayers have been radical, our rituals prophetic. We lit the candle of hope, defying our despair. We lit the candle of peace in the context of many wars. We lit the candle of love, 
because we know it is the only thing that can stop hate. Today, we light the candle of joy, hoping for joy to come in the morning when the long nights of weeping end, praying for a rain of peace on earth, clear that love is the only way. We, we wish, wish you joy. joy. and sing the opening hymn with us. Next hymn is going to be uh, Angels We Have Heard on High. Thank you. The lyrics are not in the bulletin, so pull them up on your phone or device now or between now and the, the hymn so that you'll have them when we sing them together. And now I would like to invite all of the children and the young at heart to come join me here on the steps.
Hey, Ben. What the heck is happening oh, oh, here? Oh, did you want to sit here? Oh, we did. Oh, you wanted to, you wanted to sit. Oh. Oh, you, you could come sit. Oh, I, I didn't realize. You, you want to sit too? Oh, okay. Oh, you, oh I, I guess, I guess we can, I guess the blanket's big. We thought it was. <laughs> Look, there's room now. Now there's room on the blanket. So one of the things that we read in our Christmas story is that when Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem, that there was no room for them at the inn. Now, I don't run an inn. Do, do you run an inn? I don't know. <laughs> you know? How about, how about you? Do you run an inn? Yeah, you don't run an inn either. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of innkeepers here. But I think it's true that all of us get to choose what kind of space we make around, other, around us so that other people can be and share in it with us. And so in the same way that when you came here, I was taking up way more room than I needed on the blanket so that nobody else could sit on it, there are times when all of us might have some extra room that we could let somebody else in and choose not to. And so I think part of the Christmas story is how can we create a little extra room, a little extra love, so that somebody else who might be outside of it can come on in. And so I'm wondering if you can think with me about some ways that you might create some room at the inn for people in your school, your family. Are there ways that you can think of that might help create a little space for somebody else? Um, like when people take exchange students, they like let them into their house and they take care of them. Yeah, when people take an exchange, my cousins actually right now have a, a student from Sudan staying with them. Um, and so he's doing Christmas festivities with them. I think it's really beautiful the way that people take in other people into their houses. That's a great idea. Other folks have ideas about how you can create a little room? Santa? One of the things that, that I always try to do is if I see somebody eating by themselves, I'll ask if they want to eat with me. Sometimes people just want to eat by themselves, and that's fine. But sometimes people kind of are hoping that somebody else will ask to see if they can eat with them. So that's something that I, I try to do to, to make a little extra room at my table um, if I see someone eating alone. Lisa, is there something that you do? I ask people how they're feeling, but how they're really feeling. I've, I've heard you do that. <laughs> and that second question creates a little room for me to bring all of myself into that conversation. I think that's a beautiful way. Will you say a prayer with me? God, even if we're not keeping the Hilton, help us to create a little extra room in our lives, knowing that when we make love a little bit wider, we invite Christ in. Help us to be that generous innkeeper. We pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. And now I invite all of you to sing Siahamba with me as you go back to your seats. <laughs> Thank you. 
morning, middle. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. On this holy day where the stars are somewhat shining, it is the day before the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in much sin. So we are called to ask ourselves where we are complicit in upholding unjust practices, systems, and mindsets at home, in ourselves, in our neighborhoods, in our world. War and violence, greed and hate abound. But truly, that baby teaches us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel, peace. For Christians, tomorrow marks the end of a season of waiting, waiting for love, waiting for an end to occupation, waiting for hope. In our final hours of waiting, we think of Mary, the pregnant young brown teenager who lacks the reproductive justice she needs at the very time she needs it. And we remember our call to work for reproductive justice today. We think of Mary and Joseph turned away, as Ben showed us on the mat, from suitable housing. And we remember our call to work for housing for all. We think of Mary and Joseph fleeing empire and we remember our call to welcome the stranger, including the thousands of asylum seekers here in New York City. We think of Elizabeth's Mary's cousin and the fierce feminist conversation she and Mary had about overturning empire while carrying new life. And we remember our call to believe women. We think of the stable cleaners, the shepherds, the innkeeper, all those underpaid and unseen. And remember our call to work for fair pay and to raise the minimum wage. We think of that baby born among rubble and discord. And we remember that anything is possible, that a weary world rejoices because of that one thrill of hope. In the season of merry and cheer, we ask God's special comfort for those who are missing loved ones. We ask for space to cry and remember and the ability to see in ourselves and loved ones glimmers of our ancestors. May the memories of all who we are missing bless and inspire us. May we norm grief. After all, that little baby born wept openly in the Gospels. In the season of merry and cheer, we think of children, men, the elderly women, everyone in Gaza, the Congo, Sudan, all over the world who are under siege. 
we denounce violence of all kinds. We think of the hostages and pray for their swift and safe return to their families and homes. Though it often seems insurmountable, we remember this baby's law is love, his very gospel peace. As we move into the day of the birth, we ask how our waiting, how this Advent season will change us. Let us not be the same. Let us ever evolve into more loving, more empathetic, more curious and prophetic people. In your many names we pray, and today especially in the name of that little baby born among rubble. Amen. Let's continue to pray now a prayer that's found in your bulletin, a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Pray it however you're comfortable. There's an inclusive version printed in the bulletin. Let's pray together now. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, the power, and the glory forever. Friends, now we have the opportunity to pass peace and love and joy to one another. Be mindful of how people would like to be approached and don't forget to wave hello to all of our friends online. May the peace of God be with you.
you can really sing, right, baby? <laughs> that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> kind of thing to make you stand in the hallway and you went to run to the ladies room. You got to just stand in the hallway and listen instead. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Friends, I'm so glad that you're here today, that you would choose to be with us on this magical holiday. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. The scripture today is from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. This is a text that we have heard so often, we almost have it memorized, and it's um, uh, one of my favorite in scripture.
There will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, God made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is the Parchino. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exaltation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor you have broken, as in the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore the, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you stand and sing the sermonic hymn? If you found the words, <laughs> if not, you know, you'll do that thing we do. It's okay. Thank you very much.
that note, Sopranos, hit that note. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Okay, y'all know that, right? Y'all are like, I don't know if she said we know this text. Yes, we do. Say a word of prayer with me. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask as we seek to hear a word from you through the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. This is an evocative text. Lots of powerful, beautiful, even troublesome images in the text. The first strophe of the poem, if you will, uh, we're led into uh, about after an analysis of how the people have been experiencing a sense of dark time, a sense of war time, a sense of trauma time. And then Isaiah says, that's about to come to an end. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. So that first trophy in the poem is about darkness. Though black is fully beautiful, and darkness is a place of growth, soil, and the womb. Okay, just get that out. In the ancient days, this dark light dichotomy would have been something that folks were understanding. And communication is about understanding. They had not yet gone through Afro Sheen and Black is Beautiful. <clears throat> Ungawa and Picks with this. Okay, back, back to this. <laughs> so, this darkness in Isaiah's context is a metaphor for death and despair. And he's contrasting that with light, which is a metaphor for life and joy. We used to be in the darkness and now we're in the light. Beautiful imagery about that. Then there's this language of celebration, right? This, like at the end of a harvest, like, like when you got some good food, like when the corn did not burn up. Or, again, Isaiah's context, when you won a war and you capture the people and take their gold and silver. Or you're liberated from Egypt and God tells you, <laughs> you think, to take their gold and silver. You're like, we got the gold, we got the silver. Okay, so there's a sense of joy and exultation as though after a harvest or after, I don't know, winning the lottery, right? Then the, Isaiah picks up these images of the harsh instruments of war and oppression, right? That there clearly are weapons and there are clearly bloody uniforms, which means there's been some fighting, and I'm not talking about Taekwondo or something, right? But those military boots and bloody uniforms are burned and destroyed. So the scene of war turns into a scene of perpetual peace. Swords into plowshares, all the stuff of war burned up. We can't study war no more, is what the text is saying, right? Then, the next imagery in this beautiful poem is that there is a messenger from the royal palace with good news that a crown prince has been born. The birth announcement is the central theme of the poem. Not the war peace, not the joy at the harvest, but this birth story. There is about to be a particular baby born in a particular time who is going to bring about a reign of peace. Now what happens, what had happened was when you went to seminary 
or cemetery, you lose your childhood understanding of what these texts mean, right? All the way through my life until I was 30 and went to Princeton, clearly this is about Jesus. Clearly, it's about Jesus. Except it's not. It's actually really about a crown prince being born in the royal family, an announcement that this baby's gonna come and this baby is going to be a just ruler. Some people think it's Hezekiah who did a reform. Most people don't. But somewhere in the eighth century, somewhere between 732 and 767, I'm trying to impress you now with my exegetical <laughs> skills. <clears throat> somewhere in there, <laughs> somewhere in that time frame, an actual prince born, not a princess, can't be inclusive, but an actual boy child born who would be sitting on the throne of David and would fulfill God's promise to Israel that their fortunes would be restored, that their livelihood would be restored, that their place among the nations would be restored. This is a sign of God's saving grace on behalf of God's people. Are you with me? Then the, the, the next um, Sophie of the poem turns to the future, turns into the throne room of the baby turned king, the baby who had particular names. A child is born. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Like all these ancient nations, Egypt, you know, you get crowned a king and your name is like Metafasa, Mafusa, Padusa, you know, like lots of names. This, these names are the Hebrew names for this prince. And he grows to be a king, and his reign is wonderful and full of peace, and there is a righteousness. He is going to inaugurate the reign of peace, and this fulfills the will of God forever. I don't love that as much as this is Jesus, to be honest, but it's not. Not yet. <laughs> so these images, this evocative poetry, one commentator says, do these images have power? We know that images can change moods, change feelings, and that alone isn't powerful, but good news is communicated. Twitter, X, Facebook, threads, right? Good news is communicated. It's not just what is said, it's how it's said. And by establishing this mood of celebration, these images the writer, Isaiah, thinks can change people's hearts and minds. Okay? It would be naive to think the images alone can do it, the writer says. But in times of war, in times of oppression, in times of injustice, in times of violence, these images are meant to cause a different kind of reaction. They're meant to give hope. They're meant to remind us that God is still God and God can do better. Not by God's self. Deliberation, planning, hard work, community organizing, marching, closing down bridges, getting arrested, you know, all the things we do to emphasize the story of peace, but this text is meant to fuel the imagination. Now, when you're writing a sermon, it shows itself to you, and what showed itself to me in this text is the importance of the story of the baby and the importance of the tense. 
For unto us a child has been born. For unto us a son has been given. It already happened. It happened in the past. What Isaiah is writing is a reminder, a call to remember that God made a promise and said God was going to do a thing and then did the thing. The thing has already happened. The joy that's expressed at the top of the text when the people have walked in darkness and see a great light and their exultation is strong and their joy is profound, the joy is profound because they remember that God is a promise-keeping God. And they remember there's something profound about a God who will enter into human history in the messy times and show up with a deliverer. This particular deliverer is a rich prince who's going to rule on the throne of David. The deliverer we're thinking about today is another kind of baby. A baby born in empire, but not to the emperor. A baby born in a time of powerful Roman um, conquering and world-altering change, but born on the margins. A baby not born inside, a baby homeless, a baby drinking from his mother's milk in the place where the cows eat. But a baby nonetheless. God's intervention in the hot mess time where the Davidic king was required came in the form of vulnerable baby flesh. Yes, he had the best gap clothing. Yes, he had crate and barrel crib. Yes, he had soft blankets knitted by special people. But he was a baby, vulnerable, couldn't do nothing for himself, could not do anything to alter life circumstances, but God came to alter the life circumstances in a baby. And then, as you write your way to your sermon, I'm thinking about all the ways God did the interventions in the babies. Sadly, we don't know enough about the female babies. Somebody say amen. Because nobody was writing that stuff. But Shipper and Pure were babies. And they saved a whole bunch of babies. Mary was a baby and she had the baby, right? Sarah was a baby and she had John. Mary was a baby, but then she grew up to have Jesus. I mean, these babies change the world. Moses, actually the baby born to Hebrew poor people, but raised in the Pharaoh's palace. A border crossing baby used to heal the world. What's with God and this crown prince, and Moses, and John the Baptist, and Mary and Sarah, and, of course, Jesus, a baby. Why? Why is God so weird as to intervene in human history with some baby who can't, you know, pooping and crying and can't talk? Why? Why does God enter into human history, God who is God and can do anything? Why does God enter into human history in this vulnerable way, in this vulnerable place, in this helpless place, in this needy place, in this stow up 
when your lactose intolerant place. In this toddle and found, fall down and get back up place. In this learn to suckle your own thumb and comfort yourself place. In this blanket touching your cheek place. Why does God come? To the hold your finger place, to the pull your beard place, to wrap your hands and your hair place. Why does God come into our story? As a you make the face at me and imprint on me and I make a face at you and imprint on you and I know that I am loved. Why? Because we all were babies and we all understand what the babies need, what they're like. In other words, it's a ubiquitous scene that God creates. It's a, I'm not the writer, but it's the trope. We get it. We understand this narrative. We are pulled into these baby stories, and when we get there, we understand what's happening. It does something to us. It's causative to us. It's transformative to us. I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. Nothing has broken out of my uterus. But I have grandchildren who scream my name when I pick up the phone. Nana! As though it has lots of syllables. There, run through the house, tussle each other, take the blue cushions off our couch and put them on the floor and jump on the cushions and say they're swimming in the ocean like Moana. Their joy, their joy is contagious. Teach your children well. Careful the things you say, children will listen. I believe the children are our future, or and children are our present, teaching us how not to die in this death-dealing season of drama and trauma and wars in too many theaters to count. The children have something to teach us about the children have something to teach us about how to live in the midst of death. Have you seen in your feed the Palestinian children sitting in a circle and the adults are juggling or they're singing or they're dancing? Have you seen in your feed, because the feeds are controlled by the algorithms who know what we want to see, but have you seen in your feed any little Jewish children still having Shabbat meal and love with their parents despite the war? Have you seen in your feeds those little children from Africa who dance their butts off without their shoes on? 
and with clothes that look like they are sixth hand, not second, the joy in the children, the, the joy in the children despite the poverty, the joy in the children despite the parents, the joy in the children despite the war, despite the violence, the joy that the children know how to access that sustains them, they are our mentors. And maybe that's why God chooses the little place to come. So that we who are absolutely on our behinds with grief, distraught, despairing, angry, fighting about language because it's so hard to be human on the planet, resisting as best we can, but often succumbing to a feeling of, why, oh God, and where are you? This God, this weird God we love, enters into history, enters into our circumstances as a child, over and over again, because the children have something to give us that we won't get without them, and I think that's joy. How do we rebuild joy? Watch the babies, unless they're asleep, like this one. Watch the kiddos. Watch the playing with the skillet when there's nothing in it. Watch the joy of making Play-Doh uh, imprints. Watch the room, room, room of the boy with the truck. Watch the imagination of jumping on blue cushions in the living room floor. The children have joy, and we must curate our own joy to survive these times. How will we do that, Jackie? Remember, these stories happened in the past. Isaiah tells the story of a king born in the past. We celebrate this Christmas stuff every year, but it happened in the past. There's something about remembering, something about rehashing, something about rehearsing the stories, and I'm talking about the stories of the children now, that will remind us of our own childlike wonder and help us get saved from the despair. Amen. I have been told that I have irrepressible joy. I have been told that my joy can get on your nerves sometimes. <laughs> wonder who's close enough to me to say some stuff like that. I refresh my joy with the children. The algorithm gives me what I need. <laughs> I need that baby saying to her father, you can't talk to me when I'm walking down the aisle, when I'm getting married. You can't talk to me. Everyone will be distracted. That little girl, I need, <laughs> I need those twin babies biting each other's faces. It's almost obscene, but there they are giving each other gum comfort on each other's noses. I need that. I need that little boy wrapped in a towel. And his mother says, what are you? And she, he says, I'm a burrito. And she pulls the towel. And he flips and turns and laughs like a crazy person. I need Ophelia. I got to go. I need Octavius. Can we go back to Ocean City? I need your children. I need the children to heal me. 
Don't you need the children to heal you? That's why God, she a little cray-cray. But she comes to earth in babies. She uses the babies because they know how to get us. To get us to the joy we need to make it. Well, that's the sermon that, you know, came out of this crazy body this week. <laughs> I made it through the pain in the world this week because of the little ones. That's what this day is about. Amen. So great to be with everyone in person after weeks and weeks of YouTube services uh, that we love watching at home. Uh, but such a joy to be here and to be here on Christmas Eve. Um, I have been coming to Middle, I've been a member I think for 18 years, maybe 19. Uh, this place has shaped so much of who I am. I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, uh, the product of a very devout Christian and Hindu family and spent a lot of time searching for a place like Middle after not being so welcomed at many welcoming churches across uh, the Midwest and plenty of Protestant um, denominations across Indiana. I'm Tommy, Shanta's husband. I've been coming. <laughs> <laughs> He's got <other> <laughs> We've been coming, I started coming to church with Shanta. She introduced me to this incredible community, um, came through the choir concerts and then through coming weekly. I grew up in a Catholic church, it was very tricky. It was very difficult. Eventually we found the communal wine, got a little better, but where was Stash? But it was, that was, it's not, you know, confession. Oh, hi, this is our son, Raja. <laughs> My daughter Gigi and Roger were both baptized in that incredible space, that incredible church that we all miss, that we know will rise again. We were married there. And Tommy also recently got Austrian citizenship uh, granted because his grandfather uh, was pushed out of Austria. Uh, and so now we are able to reclaim that citizenship for Tommy and Gigi and Rajab. So we have seen trauma. We have seen many of our friends not be welcome at all of the inns that our great religions have all around this world of ours. Uh, people being pushed out because of their faith. And the amazing thing about this place is that it continues to expand. This is a community that is so joy-filled and expansive, and it grows with every single person that comes into this place. So we are so grateful for this expansive, joy-filled middle that we find ourselves in that makes us better people, that makes us justice-loving and justice-doing people in our work. And so we invite you, if you are not already a part of this movement, to join this movement to make your voice 
added to this incredible chorus because you're welcome here. This inn has plenty of vacancies. It's five star. <laughs> and so please join uh, this middle. And what? Oh, he said he's the cool one. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> so please join this movement. Thank you. Thank you.
Unto us a child is given, not to close fistedly clutch to our chest or use to oppress our neighbor, but to share joyfully in God's peace. And so let us take these gifts and hold them with open hands that we might magnify your love in this world on Christmas and every day. Amen. over here whispering to Amanda, I feel like I'm preaching through my fury today, through my sorrow today. Um, I want to remind you, I, I want to remind you, I want to declare that our God is just a, a, an awesome, amazing, creative God who enters into the world on purpose through baby flesh. How amazing is that? So we can learn from these little ones what joy looks like. But also, I don't think we can leave the room without thinking that there are actual babies in Palestine, Israel, that are in the rubble, that Jesus is in the rubble, that Jesus is in the rubble. I'm kidnapping this baby for my benediction prop. This one is Z. Zia. Come, Zia. Hi, baby. Hi. Can I touch you? She doesn't know me. You see what happens? <laughs> you see him? <gasps> Can you call me up? Come on, big sister. Innocence, trust, amazing. <gasps> amazing joy. Amazing giggles. Yes. Yeah. 
because y'all got it going on, right? You don't need to know nobody to teach them how to have joy. <gasps> Every child, every child, every single child deserves that opportunity. Every single one, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. Give me the love. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. 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 For all the babies. The crown prince long time ago promised to be a just ruler. The marginalized brown Palestinian Jewish one born to be a leader. Yes. 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 And for these two, and for Raja, and for all of the kiddos, we got to understand God's intervention and then what our job is. God's intervention and what our job is, right? Joy, 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 and get to work. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you for being my prop. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.